Hey, welcome back to the Naked Security Podcast. My name is Kimberly Trung, and I watched a really lovely movie last night called The Sound of Metal. Highly recommend. To my virtual right, I have Doug Ameth. My recommendation is a psychoerotic thriller on Netflix called Night Stalker. Doug, this is a family podcast. I'll have to bleep that part out. Um, (laughs) It's terrifying. Watch it during the day, but it's a true story. It's a true crime miniseries. I think it's four or five episodes, about an hour long each, of a serial killer that went around Los Angeles in the 80s and um, was caught by the same guy that caught Son of Sam. A lot of twists and turns, but very, don't watch it before bed. Oh, I'm definitely putting that on my watch list for daytime. Anytime is before bed, Doug. GP, don't watch it. Watch Ted Lasso instead. Ted Lasso. I've heard great things about that. Yeah, Ted Lasso is a f- the feel-good series of the year. And, it is uh, the feel-good. It's worth good. paying for Apple TV Plus for one month because you can get through it pretty quickly. Cool. Uh, to my virtual left, I've got Paul Ducklin. Hello, everybody. Sorry, that did, that sounded very uncheery, but <laughs> I just meant it to be, you know, neutral. Matter of fact. Matter of fact. Absolutely. You have any recs for us, Duck? Nice indie band. I think they're from Barcelona. Uh, Malamar. Oh, Malamar. Malamar. How would you describe Malamar? Fuzz. Imagine a lot of octavers, but used the wrong way around, so it makes the notes lower. Everything (laughs) detuned, lots of fuzz. And, you know, indie band, you can get their stuff. They don't have a huge uh, catalogue. You get their stuff on Bandcamp. And, uh, you know, no vocals, instrumental. I suppose you call it sludgy, fuzzy doom. And uh, great, great programming music. Duck, I know you, you're not a big movie buff, but I think you would actually like this movie. It's uh, The Sound of Metal is about a guy in an indie metal band who is losing his hearing and uh, his journey. Anyway, very good movie. Highly recommend. You don't have to love metal in order to watch this movie, but probably wouldn't hurt. Well, if it's good metal, it would hurt a lot. And, <laughs> you know, you, you too might suffer hearing loss. <laughs> slash yeah, that... whiplash injury to the neck it's tough because at, at my age i've had i've suffered um a vertigo so now i can't i can't headbang or spin around quickly or go on oh roller because if you loosen the crystals in your ear yeah you start spinning out yeah yeah so when i slide in you know the megadeth rust in <laughs> peace cd and uh holy wars the punishment do starts up that riff this, i just got to sit there quietly <laughs> oh golly so have you had to resign from Ping of Death? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Ping of Death is, yeah, the lead singer sitting in a chair the whole time. It's kind of... Has lived up to has lived up to its name, sadly. Yeah. All right. I think we need to get into these headlines. But before Please. we do, I'm just going to quickly tease the oh no of the week, which happens, obviously, at the end of our episode. So stick around. But the thing I will say about our oh no this week is that some things just don't require vitamin D. And that is all I'm going to say. All right, Doug. Patch now for two Apple exploits. And then patch now for a Linux crypto library. If you just thought you were done patching, you're not. You got two patches, to, at least two to do. And then clap now for Europol taking down Emotet. But first, Barbie, she of Barbie doll fame. Her full name is Barbara Millicent Roberts. Fun fact. And she hails from Willows, Wisconsin. 
She was born March 9th, 1959, so she has a birthday coming up. She'll be 62 years young. Double fun fact, there is no Willows, Wisconsin, but there is a Willow, Wisconsin, population 493 as of the 2000 census. No homes currently for sale there. I looked it up, but two plots of land are available. <laughs> good, to, good to know. Uh, what is going on with this first Apple story? Okay, so I have a riddle for Paul. What do you get, Paul, when you combine privilege escalation with remote code execution and top it all off with an inconsistent patch schedule? Ponership. Is that the right answer? Love it. Yeah, that's good. As anyone who has an iPhone and has updated it before will know, there is no equivalent in the Apple world to Patch Tuesday or to Google's month-year patch schedule or even to Oracle's once-a-quarter and oracles, it's something like they they, they pick, uh, I think, a Tuesday closest to the middle of the month or something. So there's some algorithm to it. So you at least for patches which are important, maybe even critical, but the crooks don't know about yet, you can at least plan in advance. Apple has never done it that way. Their approach is quite different. And almost every time any Apple updates come out, it's it's kind of like an emergency surprise every time even for patches which are quite routine, otherwise routine because the crooks don't know about them yet. And Apple's reasoning is, and I'm quoting from Apple here, Apple doesn't disclose, discuss, or confirm security issues until an investigation has occurred and patches or releases are generally available. So even when they know about the problem and they know they're going to fix it and they could set your mind at rest and say, here's a workaround, you'll need it for a week, they still keep stumm because the idea is, hey, the patch will come out when it's ready. And they claim that is, uh, quote, for the protection of our customers, unquote. Uh, whether it is or not is, a, you know, we could have a whole podcast about that. But that approach is somewhat unusual these days. And it turns out in this case, the way to determine that this was an emergency patch as well as a surprise is really the way to tell is if the email you get with the list of fixes in is really, really, really short <laughs> and it contains words, words like in the wild or attack is known, then that means do not delay. Do it yesterday if you could have, but you can't, so do it today. And that's what happened here. As you said, there were these two vulnerabilities that were reported that could be combined. One gets you in the remote code execution. The other gets you upstairs, if you like, into the administrator's console, elevation of privilege. So that's why I said if you put those two things together frequently, they they make a bad thing more than doubly worse. And this is notable because Apple doesn't normally, in the release notes, it said these may have been used in the wild already. I'm paraphrasing, but a remote attacker may be able to cause arbitrary code execution. Apple is aware of a report that this issue may have been actively exploited. That is quite unusual because these days, you know, whether it's Microsoft on Patch Tuesday or Apple on its patch, whatever the day happens to be, generally, fortunately, most bugs get found by the good guys or by the vendor themselves before the crooks get onto them. Um, but sometimes it does happen that the way you find out is zero day. The crooks got there first, and that seems to be what happened here. So that's why suddenly you got an update, perhaps a few days before Apple was ready. Because just last night, I woke up this morning, UK time, to find that they had Apple had published uh, 
a much longer list of other things that were fixed, that obviously stuff that they had been working on. But of course, nobody knew that because of Apple's kind of, well, we keep silent until everything's absolutely ready, um, which does mean that if they if they get taken by surprise, you kind of don't quite know what's getting fixed. Uh, is that good or bad? I don't know. I, I'd prefer a little bit of early warning where possible. You don't have to tell me how the exploit works, but to know that you're actually working on a problem that, that people suspect exists, in my book, that's actually quite useful. Because otherwise, like if you're a security researcher and you've, you've, you know, you've put in a report and people have heard that there might be a security hole, if they don't hear anything at all from the vendor, they can't really tell whether the vendor is in blissful ignorance that it even exists, whether they're working on it is just so hard they have no idea what to do and can't come up with a workaround, or in the next 20 minutes for all they know, a fix is going to arrive. In my book, it's it's nice to get at least some indication when a vendor is working on a problem that at least the rumor mill might have identified. This one was also interesting too, because uh, even when the fix was made available, we had two, I think it was two separate commenters, one saying that they heard about it first on the Naked Security article that you wrote, and another heard about it from the Sophos Intercept X for mobile app, um, which keeps track of your, your versions. But it's, I see, it's been a while since I've owned an Apple device, but it seemed like the the big updates would pop up with a message on your phone saying this update is available. This is a, a huge step update, but I don't know if the little so the, the, okay, we're live on the air, all right? And you I just was, got it. No, I never. I never got a notification that I needed to update. I had to manually go into for folks who have an iPhone. Um, you go to your settings, and then obviously you go scroll down to general, and then you go to software update, and then I. Uh, you know, it's saying, you know, upgrade to iOS 14.4, which is the one that we want to update. Um, and it did not give me, it's saying I can download and install it, but it didn't give me any notification. And yeah, I'm going to do it right now. I think the point wow. updates, like okay. point, point 0.3 to point 0.4, you don't get those. It, it's the major, like 13 to 14, you get those. Those will pop up. But I think the little point updates don't pop up like that. I think the the issue for any vendor is to try and spread the load a bit. I mean, I've noticed that with even with Firefox on Linux, the distro I use packages up Firefox updates mm -hmm. and then ships them as distro updates. And I generally get those updates before I get the notification from the Firefox that I'm running, unless I go and say, help about Firefox. And then it tells me, oh, there is a version. Would you like it? Uh, so I guess that, you know, <laughs> There is a sense that if everybody comes at the same time, then maybe that might overload things. I would have thought if it was that important that maybe you make a special plan in this case. Mm -hmm. But as you say, as one of the commenters said, if you are worried about this and about notifications on Apple and you're not in the habit of double-checking, then the free Sophos Intercept X for mobile iOS app does have a, hey, there's a new version available for you. It will even tell you there's a new version available, but unfortunately, it's not, it's not supported on your phone. So you can you can keep track of where you're supposed to be. Because I think also judging by the comments on Naked Security, that confused or at least annoyed a few people who are on iOS 13. Because iOS 12 is still officially supported by Apple and does get security updates when needed because that's the only version that officially runs on, I think it's iPhone 6 and earlier, 
the phones that are still officially supported. But there is no iOS 13. The security update for iOS 13 is iOS 14. So we had people say, well, I'm on iOS 13. I didn't get an update. And people had to pile in and say, actually, you did. It just... The numbering's kind of confusing. And the fact that there's an update, that sometimes you get updates for 12, is historical. And 13 is gone. Like it. So maybe if Apple just had one number, that would make it simpler. 112, 113, 114, 115. Mm -hmm. Um, But then there are people who go, no, I don't want the feature updates. I just want the security updates. So it is... If you are a vendor, to be fair to Apple, it is difficult to please all of the people all of the time and to give hundreds of millions of people an update instantly without spreading the load and the love a little bit so that everyone gets something rather than many people getting nothing. All right. We will keep an eye on that. That is called Apple Critical Patches Fix in the Wild iPhone Exploits Update Now. So you can read that on nakedsecurity.sofos.com or you can just update now. Just do it. I'm updating right now. I'm going to time it for you guys. I'll tell you how long it took for the update to happen on my phone. While you're doing that, let's dip into some technology etymology. We all know and love the tried and true computer mouse. At least I do. I love, I will, I don't care Mm, if you've got the greatest trackpad in the world. I'm sticking my mouse in there. But did you know? (laughs) 100%. What is it that people see in trackpads? Except. I hate them. Except terrible inaccuracy. Yep. I hate them. Well, if you want to talk about accuracy, did you know that the device on late, great Douglas Engelbart's 1967 patent application was the very creative, and I quote, XY position indicator for a display system? (laughs) An allusion to the position of the cursor along the X and Y axes of a computer display, no doubt. And while some legends suggest that the term mouse was coined at the Stanford Research Institute, Engelbart himself couldn't remember who coined the name mouse except to say that, quote, it just looked like a mouse with a tail, and we all called it that, end quote. The original design had the cord coming out of the end under the user's palm, so it very much looked like a mouse. Younger listeners may need to be reminded that mice didn't used to be wireless. Yes. You had to plug them in, and, <laughs> yeah. and there was a cable that went into the mouse. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was a big breakthrough. Let's not, let's not put it out the bottom of the mouse. Let's put it out the top of the mouse where it can stay out of the way. I hate wireless mouses. What? <laughs> mouses, mice. Mice, mouses. I don't mice. know. <laughs> if you see the picture of the original mouse, it was basically a wooden box with the tail coming out the bottom and a big red button on it. And when you say wooden box, it looked like something that you might knock together in your garage with yeah. a, a bit of offcut, <laughs> but didn't it? <laughs> seeing it, it brought back nightmares for me of the Apple Puck. Remember the Puck mouse that Apple had with, those, with the IMAX? It was around. Yes. The original one looked so uncomfortable, and I just remember how uncomfortable that puck was, just having to, that claw grip on it. And the only saving grace was that the cord on the puck was coming out of the top, as it should have been. Yeah, I didn't get that at all. I didn't get that that all-in-one, was it iMac? Mm-hmm. The plastic thing in the big, oh, look, we've got a giant screen, and we'll squeeze like the computer. A, yeah, a gumball machine. <laughs> yeah, I never, I never quite warmed to that. When I was just going off to college, those were big, and um, e-machines came out with a knockoff, and they got sued almost into oblivion, but they had an e-machines version of that computer that cost about three ninety nine, which was way cheaper than the Apple version, and a lot oh. of people were showing up at college with this, uh, just these monstrosities of machines. Oh. I myself had a Sony, 
This is a DX2166. You know, that's pretty good one. <laughs> Pretty, so. pretty sweet there, Doug. Pretty sweet. Uh, weird. Uh, okay, I'm sorry, Doug. Don't take this the wrong way. Uh-oh. But all this talk of computers. How's the PlayStation? <laughs> we all, we, 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 we didn't want, get the check. update, did we? I have, yeah. I am happy to report. Okay. okay. Strap in for this one. Uh-huh. They have they switched in the past couple weeks, maybe a month, to a queuing system. So instead of saying it's available on the PlayStation site or it's available at Target or Best Buy, they'll say a they queue put you is through to holding music. That's yes, the sound a queue of is a thousand forming. tiny so you, violins. You go onto the site Did and it, places, it, it randomly places you into a queue. And I'm happy to report that I have now been in a queue once, so I'm that much closer to the PlayStation. I was in a queue and it was like you're. Estimated holding time is like 36 hours. <laughs> and after about 36 seconds, they were all gone. So I sat there like an idiot for at least an hour. And then it was like, oh, no, they're gone. Um, so Aww. I have gotten into the queue, but I still have no PlayStation. Have you taken Duck and I's advice about truly letting go? Yeah, I've given up. I was in the queue the other day. Yep. But I'm, I've totally given for 36 up. Hours. <laughs> the 36 hours. The 36-hour long queue. My wife, God bless her heart, uh, I just had a birthday, and she was like, "I was going to get you the, that new gaming, that new game that you that you wanted." I was like, "That's adorable." There's no way. What's it called? <laughs> the, the Pay Station, is it, or is that where you, that's where you buy your parking oh, that's ticket? That's very like, sweet, yeah, though. That's the thought for, that counts. Yeah. That's a good wife. Also, happy belated say, birthday. Thank happy you. belated birthday, so Doug. Much. I must say, it's a it's a really cunning thought that counts because there's no chance that yeah she, she probably could knew actually she have to like, spend the money, right? Yeah, it's she's like, like, "There's no way." In, there's like no a, way. The free gift that doesn't keep on giving. <laughs> yeah, your wife is either super sweet or super smart or both. Yeah, I'm thinking both. Probably actually. both. <laughs> yeah. Probably both. Um, why don't we head into our next story? Uh, this next story is called GPG Crypto Library Can Be Pwned During Decryption Patch Now. Alrighty. Another bug- patch now, right? <laughs> An- a patch now, patch forever, patch day, tomorrow, and uh, duck. What was the big deal about this bug? Well, it was kind of funky in a way, if 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 a, if a remote code execution bug can ever be funky, um, because annoyingly, any Linux distro that was hey or, or or vendor using Linux who went ah, oh, there's a new version of libgcrypt out one dot nine dot zero a couple of weeks ago, oh, we haven't got round to it yet. Anybody who was sloppy and didn't upgrade to the 1.9.0 version, which only came out a couple of weeks ago, missed this bug because it was introduced by mistake, obviously, in the 1.9.0, found about nine or 10 days later by Tavis Ormandy and fixed like half an afternoon later by the libgcrypt team, which is a good result that they'd they'd realised, oh dear, we've made this blunder. It was rather an elementary kind of bug, sadly, a a buffer overflow where they they assumed that there would never be more than so many bytes that could ever appear in the algorithm because they were doing a hash calculation. And if a hash uses, say, 32 bytes, then it will never need more than 32 bytes to store any intermediate results. Turns out that's not always true, depending on the kind of way that you're doing the calculation. Tavis found this, and he figured a way that he could get the GPG program, which of course uses libgcrypt, to crash. And he didn't really need uh, to go and have a proof of concept exploit to say, I'll I'll show you how you could exploit this. It's pretty obvious when you look at the code, if you know anything about uh, 
buffer overflows and what it does to nearby memory that you could use the buffer overflow to influence the flow of execution almost immediately in the program and when you can do that it usually means you can trick the program into running some code that you just sent to it without so much as a buy or leave um so it was a potentially dangerous bug where just sending someone some data for them to decrypt in the process of decrypting in the process of doing some kind of signature validation creating a, a hash calculation for a signature validation you could have taken over the program and it's kind of a crazy irony isn't it because you imagine if you're using an en encryption technique for things like confidentiality integrity and authenticity one of the things you want to do is as soon as you get untrusted data well the first thing you want to do is did it really come from where it claimed to come from so you're going to unpack it hash it check the signature validate the data before you try and do anything with it and unfortunately it was during that that pre-validation stage the very act of deciding whether you wanted to trust the data could have been the phase of execution where the bug could have been triggered. But as I said, it was fixed very, very quickly, uh, and libgcrypt 1.9.1 came out. So if you've got a, a Linux distro that is a bit shabby at updating, you may have missed the bug completely, because <laughs> either you still haven't got the patch at all, in which case you've got an older version that didn't have the bug in, or you've, because of the noise made about this one, you're up to libgcrypt 1.9.1, where the bug was fixed. I like your monopoly analogy here, Duck. Oh, I'm glad you like that, because I, I thought it was amusing, but I wasn't sure that it was very clear. Basically talking about what happens when you get a buffer overflow where it allows you to change some memory used by a program that actually is not supposed to be modifiable from outside. In other words, it contains some trusted value. In particular, let's say that you have a part of the program that contains what in C is called a function pointer. It's basically, this is where you need to go next. This is the place in memory where you are going to go next. And you can imagine that if you can fiddle with that, a value like that, you change where the program goes. And if you can unexpectedly change data that the person who wrote the program was assuming was basically immutable, then it's imagine that you're playing Monopoly and you draw, you, you land on chance and you draw a card and you turn it over. And written on the card, there are the instructions on what you have to do. And it says, advance to go, collect $200. And you think, good, that's instruction. I'm going to do it. And Proudly, you turn over the card and you show it to all the other people in the game. And when they look at it, lo and behold, someone's done a done a sleight of hand and switched the card that you're holding. Dun, and dun, they've changed dun. that instruction. And it says, go to jail. Do not pass go. Go directly to jail. Do not collect $200. And that's sort of the way this bug could have been exploited. You've got something that the programmer thinks they can trust that determines what the program will do next. And then just before they can actually use that data they stored there earlier, you come along with your buffer overflow and you fiddle with it so that they don't recheck that value because they kind of, you know, the where to go next. They don't look at the chance card again because they kind of assume, well, I'm the only person who would ever modify that. 
and if a cook could modify it using data that they sent in from outside, then they have a more than fighting chance of getting your program either to crash or to crack, like which would basically stop it working. That's a denial of service attack or worse of crashing it in a way that allows them to steer it to a destination that you would never have chosen, e.g. implanting malware. Also, we got to tip our hat to the the GNU privacy guard team because apparently they fixed this bug almost immediately. Yeah, pretty much. You know, the next day it was fixed or as soon as they got the report, they worked on it. And that's why the the bug was introduced uh about two weeks ago now i think and it was fixed last friday so it only exists the bug fortunately existed for a short time and uh it was found by somebody who reported it responsibly allowing it to be fixed before anybody else seems to have figured it out and abused it so the lesson is don't patch (laughs) yeah well you can't always rely on that can you it doesn't normally work out this way. So that would have been, I guess, a false economy. You would have been very lucky if you didn't patch and therefore you missed this bug, which has been widely publicized. Because the problem is if you didn't patch for a while, there are probably other bugs that didn't get this sort of publicity that you would have been vulnerable to anyway. Okay, patch. I guess patch. Yeah, um, we have some instructions at the very end of the article on how you can check your version. Yes, you just simply open a open a command prompt and type gpg2 space minus minus version, and one of the it'll give you the version of the gpg program, and it will also tell you what version of libgcrypt you have installed, and you want to look for one dot nine dot one, or depending on when you're listening to this, above. All right. If you want to see those instructions or read more about this research from Tavis Ormandy, uh, you can check out this article on nakedsecurity.sophos.com. Uh, I ran the command on my Windows machine. Didn't work. <laughs> FYI. All right. Be careful. Confirmed. You know, Windows had, well, don't be careful. Be, be, Windows does have a, a Linux subsystem these days. You can have sort of Windows and, and Linux as uh, chums. Ah. These days. Best friends are we. Anyway, let's talk about Emotet. Emotet is dead. The botnet network was taken down thanks to a collaborative effort across the Netherlands, Germany, the United States, United Kingdom, France, Lithuania, Canada, and Ukraine. We did it, Paul. Nothing to do now but sit back on our laurels and bask in the glory, confident that even though the people behind Emotet went on hiatus this exact time last year and stayed underground for about four months, we shall never, ever hear from them again. Well, let's hope so, but I think, as you say, we all sort of hoped that last year. I guess the big difference is last year it seems that they, they chose to take a vacation, yeah. I assume. This year it's it's a sort of involuntary <laughs> Mandatory vacation, yeah. But, of course, what Europol can't do is it can't go to every computer that still has the zombie malware on it and remove it. It can't stop the crooks somehow telling their zombie malware, oh, by the way, go somewhere else now, because they they took out the web of intrigue that we previously built. Here's a new one. And, you know, sort of, I guess, unless and until they absolutely identify and arrest and convict the people behind this, they're always going to be 
have a chance of reinventing themselves. And like you said, what was it? Was it around Christmas in 2019? Around then, they kind of disappeared, and by by February, they'd kind of gone off our radar. And we were thinking, oh, I wonder what's going on. And then suddenly, some random day in July, we started noticing that Emetet guys were back. I'm presuming they're guys, and that was that. It wasn't like a little a little peep, a little ping blast from the past, some ancient version of the malware that had kind of come back to life for a few minutes it's like they they just finished their vacation and maybe they'd blown all their money who knows and back they came so the other problem of course is that there are plenty of other cyber gangs doing a similar sort of thing maybe not as notorious or as well known as the Emotech crew who sadly I am sure would be happy to jump in and fill the void you know, ooh, golly, one of our competitors in cybercrime have gone away. We'll be happy to fill the gap. So that's also something that one always has to watch out for. Cybercrime, as you say, abhors a vacuum. Just like my dog, actually. He also <laughs> abhors a vacuum. <laughs> so when something like this, I, I always wonder, a serious security researcher, when an announcement like this comes out, it's like, that's great. Good job, everybody. But... It's not the it's it's like the mail. It just keeps coming. You know what I mean? Like it's not it's not the end of anything really, or is it? How 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 big is this? Is is my question? Is this is this huge, or is this like okay? It's this is good, but like it's gonna this void is it will be filled. I can't answer that personally because I you know I haven't I'm not directly involved in botnet analysis and takedown myself at the moment, uh, and even if I were, the answer is. It's kind of hard to say, because if you think about it, these Emotech guys have been around for years. There was a point at which they they did not have a zombie network to work with, and yet they built one. So you imagine if they're still around, they could certainly do it again. They could, in fact, reinvent themselves completely differently. So I think if you, whether you're a serious researcher or not, it is important at least to say, look, well done. Like, this may not be the end of the Emotet botnet, but it certainly shows that, A, law enforcement from multiple countries can work together to sometimes quite astonishing results. And, you know, B, that even though the people behind this haven't been identified and stopped just yet, at least a significant part of the technology they've relied upon has been crumbled by law enforcement. So, you know, for everyone who's, oh, the crooks always win, the, you know, it's hopeless, we might as well not bother. I think it's the lesson here is it's important to celebrate these successes as small or as short-lived as they might be. Yeah, to be clear, nobody's been arrested here, but they've their network's been massively disrupted, which is a great thing. You like to hope that in amongst all of this, there is some intelligence that will either bring law enforcement closer to the perpetrators or will give some additional intelligence which will make it harder for them to reinvent themselves this time or that might help to identify other, you know, like fellow travellers in the cybercrime industry, as it were. Mm-hmm. So let's hope that that's the case. And obviously, Europol aren't going to put that in their press release. They're going to celebrate the success. And if they've got other actionable intelligence they can use, good on them. And, you know, we can't expect them 
to tell us what it is. And just because Emetet has been disrupted doesn't mean that attackers aren't using similar techniques. And we do have some research, if you want to promote that, about how to stay safe against Emetet and techniques like it. Yes, we have an article on Naked Security, imaginatively entitled Fighting Emotet, Lessons from the Frontline. And although that was based on experiences with Emotet specifically that our managed threat response team have had in the past, the lessons are very broadly applicable to any kind of zombie malware, which is malware that gets onto your computer and whatever it might do today, it also includes an update thyself mechanism that means that the crooks can switch it to doing something completely different tomorrow. And that's the important thing to remember, that but the Emotet gang, they weren't, it seems they weren't really into banking Trojans and key logging and ransomware themselves. They were simply into being enablers for crooks who did like that part of the business, and that's how they made their money. Just saying, hey, you're looking for a thousand computers to go after with ransomware. We can provide them because we have this this stash of pre-infected computers and we can upgrade them at will. Uh, so that that's the, the deep reminder here, is that just identifying and removing the malware you see today is no longer enough. You need to think about what else it might have brought along with it. Oh, no. Oh, no? Oh, no. <laughs> uh, if you want to learn more about the Emotet takedown, you can read the article, again, on Naked Security, Emotet Takedown. Europol attacks, quote-unquote, world's most dangerous malware. Air quotes. Air quotes. No, no, they're real quotes. Huh? <laughs> they are. They're real quotes. They're <laughs> in the article headline. And the quote, the quote marks are there because that... Is literally the what they say in their press release, yeah. That is, those, that is the headline in mm-hmm. Europol's press okay. release. World's yeah. most dangerous malware. <laughs> All right, now that we know that those Not to be pedantic about it, Doug. Uh, Okay, guys, we have reached... I got into trouble for air quotes a week before last, and I do not intend to let that happen again. Don't worry, Doug, I'm by your side. Thank you. We've reached the end of our episode. I have scoured the internet to find this Ono. Apricoco writes, I was working as tech support for a major bank institute. I wasn't dealing with bank customers, but with bank clerks themselves. One day a lady called in asking, my mouse didn't work. When can I take it back in? I was confused and asked, take back in from where? What is the problem with your mouse? She then explained that her mouse is glowing red on its bottom. Her colleagues said that this means the mouse, quote, went too hot because of the long time of usage. They basically told her to put it on the windowsill outside to let it cool down. She left it there for two hours and finally called because it's still glowing red. Had to tell her that her colleagues are some bleeping clowns. At the end, we both laughed. The end. What an incredible waste of company resources. <laughs> you burned two hours of company time. Not working. I know. All I can think is, what was she doing without her mouse? Uh, you can't do much, maybe can you? Maybe she just... Well... Or you learn all the keyboard shortcuts, <laughs> right. which, to be I fair, if you're a bank clerk, you probably know all of those, right? <laughs> you probably know anything where you can just keep your hands on the keyboard. This is true. That's so true. That's she true. was probably able to make some headway. I hope so. Or if <laughs> this was in the days of laptops 
as replacements for desktop computers. Yeah, she had a Maybe she was able to use the pad. dreaded trackpad, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which would give you, you know, give you up to 10% of the of the productivity, wouldn't you say? Every $36 overdraft fee is just like, well, this goes to Gladys, <laughs> who killed two hours doing nothing while her mouse was on the windowsill. That's where that goes. But you know what? We got to blame the coworkers, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is not her fault. It's not her fault. Yeah, this is a, and that that's a nice happy ending of that is that here's a here's an IT support person telling this story and they've resisted the temptation to go, "Oh, you won't believe what she did." Next, click here to find out. It was genuinely sympathetic with this person <laughs> who'd been made a fool of, you know, and and that they were both able to laugh about it. So I guess that's a happy ending. All the wasted um, time, too. Like, this guy had to get looped mm-hmm. in from tech support. He had to get on the phone. I just hope that she went to them and said, oh, I'm so thankful my mouse is working now. I'll tell you what, I'm going to the canteen. Would you like me to get you something? <laughs> oh, no. That's what I'm hoping, because the person who delivers the food from a place that is not in the sight of the person who is acquiring it has an extraordinary level of power. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's just say that. If I'm the IT director and I'm in a budget meeting with some of these other yokels from other departments and I say, you want to cut my budget? Let me tell you about this ticket I found. <laughs> the two of your people did. That caused you to, like, no, you're not taking yeah. money from me. It's a solid argument. Yeah. Solid argument. Oh, you think of- that it might that, that that it might that might be a positive outcome? Yeah, I don't know. Why I'm so salty actually- about this. I just I like <laughs> you're getting paid by a company. Like don't don't not work for two hours. Just like yeah, I think the thing that I can't get over is that it was two hours. Yeah. She could have watched The Sound of Metal, my movie recommendation, uh, at the top of the show. <laughs> she Probably could have watched- <laughs> blocked by their firewall, to be fair. <laughs> she could have watched um, a movie. Again, it's not her fault, but she should have said, listen, I know it's running hot. I'm going to use it until lunchtime. I'm going to put it on the windowsill while I go to lunch. And when I come back, hopefully it's cooled down a little bit. To be fair, Doug, she probably figured, like, unplugging and replugging things particularly if this was in you know the days of old style network connectors where fiddling with stuff on your computer could get you into trouble because you might you might mess up the connector if if it's hot like i i have a stove top that it glows there's a little thing that glows red to remind you that one of the mm-hmm. one of the rings is actually hot because you can't see it's hot it just has a little red warning and when it cools down it goes off of course it only goes off if you leave the stove plugged in and turned on. If you turn the stove off, the lights don't work. So the red light continued. And there is that association of red light with heat. Yeah. Right, so uh, my sympathies are with her. Mine, mine are too. But, but think about this person. Th- this, this lady is clearly doing some serious mousing. And she's clearly <laughs> an important person at the company because she has a window that opens. <laughs> she's not just sitting in the bullpen in some sort of like decrepit desk she's got an office with a window that opens and she's mousing so hard that her mouse is overheating and they took (laughs) two hours of her time maybe she just had a mouse with a very very long cable well you got me there also too i'm concerned about now the integrity of the mouse after it's been sitting in the sun for two hours what if it was really hot out lots of red flags here i think then she would have gone no i'm not putting it outside it's hotter outside i think she would have seen through that to be fair. Before this show started, the three of us were talking about how this may have been one of the funniest oh no's, but this may have been actually the most disturbing oh no that we've had. As <laughs> we've, far as I'm we have so many questions. Yeah, I'm not happy You're with so... this one at all. <laughs> I guess the bottom line is don't make 
a fool out of your colleagues because it's not very nice. That's right. And if you do, don't let them buy you sandwiches. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't. Or make coffee. Mm -hmm. I just wouldn't. Mm -mm. Just saying. So if those guys did, who told her this cock and bull story, um, then you're just going to have to hope you got away with it. <laughs> I did the last time I was in the Abingdon office. I got up and there were some um, English people there and some American people there. And I said, can I get anyone anything? And one of the English people asked for some tea. And I thought, great, I'll make you some tea. And how I make tea in America, which is not often, is I put the tea bag <laughs> in the hot water and I wrap the tea bag around the handle of the cup and then I give it to the person. And this person was appalled. Like, this is, you think this is how you make tea? So Paul, if you want to opine on that, that's that's a disgusting display of tea making, right? I don't I don't drink tea. I don't understand tea, even though I'm English. <laughs> Thank you. Like I don't I genuinely don't get it. Thank you. It right? just looks like dilute mud. Yeah. But uh and and although it tastes slightly worse. Uh so I don't understand. So I've I don't really make tea, but I do know that you I don't know why you wrap the you're not supposed Those to give people. You're thanks. not supposed to give them the tea bag and the cup, and then the wrapping thing. They were just like, well, "You're a fool!" Like, what? Why? Just like, what do you wrap it? But I don't know. I don't get. I didn't want why... it to fall down in the the cup. You know what I mean? <laughs> just in case. Why don't you just leave it in the cup? You know that. Uh, at least I know that tea has to infuse. Yeah, I was under the impression that I was supposed to stand there next to the sink for like three minutes while the tea did its thing, and then take the tea bag out and present it. I don't know. I'm not going to do it again. Yeah. (laughs) You have to see it from their side, Doug. Like, they're going like, what am I... This is a used tea bag. The the tea, the mud part, has now been extracted and is in the water. And, you know, presumably this person was no longer a student and did not need to reuse the tea Mm -hmm. bag. There probably were others. Folks... Uh, my iPhone is still updating with the software update. I will take uh, a bit of uh, responsibility here because I got distracted by obviously listening to my fellow uh, podcast host and I was ignoring that I needed to hit install now. So ah. anyway, it's still installing. However, you know what doesn't take as long? Leaving us a five-star review in Apple Podcast. It literally takes you 30 seconds if you've enjoyed Anything you've listened to, feel free to leave us a review in Apple Podcast, and I just may read it on one of our upcoming shows. And of course, if you have an oh no for me, you can find us and DM us on all the social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Naked Security, or you can email us tips at sophos.com, or you can leave us an anonymous comment or non-anonymous comment on any of our articles on nakedsecurity.sophos.com, or... I'm giving you a new avenue for you to send your onos to me if you want to get like really in the weeds. You can find me on Reddit. My Reddit name is Oh No, It's Kim. Wow. <laughs> That's O H N O, It's Kim. Cool. You can find me on Reddit, guys. Anyway. And you know what? It's even easier to send an Oh No after you've left a review, apparently. This, oh, uh, it's a proven fact. Just like it's international law that... Uh, you don't wrap tea bags around handles. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there you go. International law that I wasn't aware of. All right, guys. Until next time, stay, stay secure. secure. I hate wireless mouses.